Let's do it. Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And, of course, that is area code 225, just in case you're outside of our calling what area. Call direct calling area. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Everybody in this country is in our calling area. That's right. Just <laughs> All you got to do is just add, add a few more numbers to it. That's it. <laughs> Put a one in front of it, a 225, you can get us. That's, That's right. right. And, of course, if you've got a cell phone, I don't think that'll cost you anything. Most people have... I say most people. What yeah. do I know about it? I don't even have a cell phone. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I can count on one hand about how many people I know that don't have one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> You're number one. I'm number one in the list. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wear that kind of almost like a little red badge of courage. Yeah. I just I just, just like it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just like going against the grain. Uh, it got to be different. That's right. We got a customer that comes in the shop, and he's from Baton Rouge, and I know I've talked to him. He's actually an LSU Tiger fan. Uh-huh. But he always wears an Alabama shirt. Okay. <laughs> Go Tide. <laughs> I said, just why do you do that? Pot, no, huh? just to stir the pot. That's it, boy. People just jump all over him. <laughs> Vic carries a big old stick. Oh, right? yeah, especially after next weekend, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you want to give us a call? Go ahead and get in right now while we've got plenty, plenty of time. And just in case you don't care to call in or something occurred to you during the week, that's right. You can always visit our website and get your questions answered that way. Mm-hmm. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get your questions back using the form on the site. Yes. Mm-hmm. That way you make sure you can get it sent. Well, yeah, correctly. if you just reply to an old form or something like that, it's just going to bounce it back to you because we get so much spam on that site. Being an international site, when your email address goes out, Next thing you know, you're getting a thousand pieces of mail a day. Yeah, you just can't check and all that. And you can't sort through it all and see what's important and what isn't. So we have to put a filter on. And if it doesn't come from the website, it's actually just going to bounce it back to you. So use a fresh form each and every time, and that way we'll be sure to get you an answer. Make sure you get the correct address put on yeah, your, your return form, address. Your return address mm-hmm. on your form also. That way we can get it back to you. Well, if, if you hadn't gotten an answer back from me within 24 hours, something's wrong because I never, ever ignore an email. Right. You know, I had a guy says, well, you just didn't answer. No, no, I answer every single email, every email every day. So something had to go wrong. Just send it again. Uh-huh. It's not that I'm ignoring you. <laughs> <laughs> of course, when you're on there, you can pop around and see what you think. There's the automotive repair information is where a lot of folks like to look. And there's the regular vehicle question on there, short to the point answer to a direct Particular. question. Topic. Then we've got the detailed topics, which is much more information. Put one on there this morning. It's a little bit different, I think, from anything else I've done in the past. And it's not actually on auto repair. It's sort of a little nostalgic story about a road trip. And I came upon the idea when Lane and I took our trip, I guess Columbus Day weekend. Right. Got off some of the U.S. highways, saw some of the sites. So I came back and just wrote a little story about it, put some photos in there of some old closed-down gas stations, some old tourist courts and diners. And right. Kind of fun. Might want to pop on there, see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone lines. We've got Roger online. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, sir. I have a Ford F-150 short-wheel-based pickup truck. Okay, sir. And it's got a 4.2-liter engine, plain uh-huh. Jane truck, and I just want to change transmission fluid in. Uh-huh. And I wonder how to, to get to that converter plug, the little rubber disc you take out. You know? What year model is it, Roger? 2007. Okay, that's not going to have a converter plug on that one. Oh, really? No, no sir. Thanks. They stopped that in 2002. Well, how do you get all out? Just drain the pan. If you drain the six quarts out of the pan and replenish that, that's going to be fine. The oil itself never goes bad. It's just the additives get depleted. If you add six more mm-hmm. quarts, you fix that. The problem is you want to get the filter out of there. Right. The, the fluid is not the problem. I mean, if you want to get more of it out, you can just do it twice. Just drain it, 
fill it, run it about 20 minutes and drain and fill it again, but it's just not necessary. The fluid is not the problem. Everybody tries to convince you it is because they're trying to save these little flushes that they do. Right. If you drop six quarts out of there, it only holds 12, you change half the fluid, you've replenished all the additives, you've got it good enough, all you need to do is change the filter. The filter's a big issue. On that one, too, Roger, what you want to make sure you do is to retark all those valve body bolts. Get a torque right. wrench and go back and torque all. And it's a specific sequence and a specific torque. Mm-hmm. And if you go on my website, there's actually an article on torque converter shutter that'll show you the sequence and all in that particular right. unit. Right, right. I'm going to change the filter. See, the floor place told me I didn't need to change the filter. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, bring it in. Let me just run some clean fluid through the dirty transmission. Right. That's the way they do it. Now, you, you do that, right? I do a proper service on it, yes, sir. Right. Now, uh, uh, can you give me a ballpark fee with oil and everything and filled and all for you? It depends on exactly which transmission and what fluid and all. Somewhere around $150. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Louis. Okay, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive, right, we'd love to have you. And we've got Harvey online. Good morning, Harvey. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. Good morning. I have a 2004 Ford Explorer mm-hmm. with a 4.0 engine. Okay. About 96,000 miles on it, mm-hmm. and I'm having a cylinder four misfire code. Okay. It does idle a little bit rough at stoplights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would you go to look for? Well, Harvey, how high-handy are you? Do you work yourself? Yes. Okay. First thing you want to do is take the coil off of cylinder four, move it to number three, and put number three on number four. Okay. Okay, and then test it again. See if the misfire moves. If the misfire is still on number four, you can forget about that. If it moves, it's the call. Next thing you do, take the spark plug out and do the same thing. Okay, and then just on and on and on. It could be the call. It could be the plug. It could be the injector. injector. We do could see a, a fair amount of problems with Ford injectors. Could be the wiring going to it. At, yeah. At an extreme Yeah, I mean, on and on and on and on and on. You go, you're going to get out of things that you can check pretty fast, but if you check the call, the plug, and the injector, you got about a 75% chance of finding it. If it's none of that, you might want to run a compression test. Just make sure all the cylinders have equal compression or near equal compression because low compression in the cylinder, of course, that indicates an internal engine problem. But beyond that, uh, Harvey, you're going to get out of the realm of what you're going to be able to check yourself because you start yeah. getting into pulse width on injectors and command from the PCM and all that, which unless you've got an awful lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, and proper tooling, you, you're going to be totally lost. But I would check the call, the plug, and the injector. That's going to fix 75% of them. Okay, another question is about the plugs. Are they going to be in trouble getting out of there? No, it's a 4-liter. Four 4.0, no. yes. No, sir, not at all. That's on the that's on the 5.43 valve engine that they break off. No, the 4 liter is not going to be any trouble. The only thing you want to do is make sure the engine is completely cold. Let it sit for several hours before you try to take them out. Then before you put them in, of course, the engine needs to be cold. Use a Ford Motocraft spark plug. Don't put any of that aftermarket junk in there. And the coils on that one are kind of bad about going out. If you replace the one coil... You might want to check and see there's a little rubber boot on the bottom of those coils, and it kind of takes the place of a plug wire. You can buy those separately. I would change the boots on the other five coils. Okay. And do yourself a favor. If you do have to change the, the coil, mm-hmm. get your motorcraft right. coil and put it on the worst plug to get to. Yeah. There, you're likely not to have to go back to that one again. Right. Okay. So the other and five are which, still original. Since you got them all off to change right. the plugs anyway. Put the new call in the absolute hardest position to get to. Chances because are the call that you're taking off of there, you can put it on number four and it'll be fine. But if, say, number four is a lot easier to get to and number six is a buyer, then put the new call on number six. All right. All righty. Work to do. Okay, yes, man. Sir. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would sure love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? That That's procedure one of them- will pretty much fix 
an awful lot of cars. And what happens, unfortunately, is that folks go in, they say, well, let me change the plugs. Let's change all the plugs. Right. Oh, that didn't do it. Well, let me change this. Oh, that didn't do it. But with just a systematic approach like that, just swap them to a different position and see if the misfire moves. Correct. You can eliminate so many of those things and eliminate so much unnecessary parts changing and parts swapping. Right. Doesn't require a whole lot of equipment. Doesn't require a whole lot of anything other than a little bit of time. Well, you have to know. You have to be able to check the system to find out which cylinder is misfiring. You have to have some means of some means verifying of, which right. cylinder is misfiring. But other than that, really, it's just moving parts around. That's right. That's right. And that's a very effective means. Of course, if you got a shop and you own the right tooling, if you have a Ford IDS, you can go into a cylinder balance test. You can identify a lot of things. Right. But in lieu of having all that stuff, it's not that you're helpless or you just have to start throwing parts at it. I see people come in, they'll say, well, you know, I changed the plugs and that didn't do it. So I changed all the calls and that didn't do it. And then I changed all the injectors and that didn't do it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're talking thousands of dollars. Yeah, you spent a whole bunch of money and it could have been a compression issue. That would have right. been very easy to check. Because if you got cost- low compression on that cylinder, there's no sense going any further. Right. And for, say, under $200, you could verify that real easy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the last thing in the world you want to do is just start throwing parts at it without any kind of a approach or some kind of a logical approach right. to it. Let's go back to our phone lines with Tom. Good morning, Tom. Hey, good morning, guys. Good yes, morning. sir. We have a 1999 Jeep Wrangler, Okay, and it will not shift into four-wheel drive. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, we've owned this thing since it was new, and it may have only been off-road a half dozen times. <laughs> yes, sir. Most, and and most of them. Like it hasn't it. been in four-wheel drive in, in years. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Any clue what that means? Tom, that could be any number of things. It probably uses a new process transfer case on it, which has a motor. They call it an encoder motor, which actually does the manual shifting. It's going to be a little difficult to try to diagnose anything yourself other than checking all the fuses, make sure they're working. Uh-huh. If you've got a volt-ohmmeter, you can check the switch and see if it's working because oh, the switches do go out. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get over your head fairly right. quick. It's all electrically operated. Oh, is that right? Yes, sir. And... I guess it could be the encoder motor, but again, that's an expensive part. That's certainly in the first part I start looking at. Right, right. Check and see if it's not a four-wheel drive fuse, because I know okay. those do blow a lot of times. Is that right? I Ooh. think too. So you've seen some internal transfer case the, uh, problems. The transfer case can bind internally, and right. it can get hard, and the motor will draw too many amps and blow a fuse, stuff right. like that. Okay. So it's going to probably get out of your range other than you know checking the fuse and all that like I said, sometimes the switches go out we do change a fair number of those right but it wouldn't cost a whole bunch to have us diagnose it for you even if you cared to do the work yourself or yeah whatever it's, it's it's probably not a terribly complicated thing but it could end up being an expensive fix. it could very well yes Possibly. sir the encoder motor is probably four or five hundred bucks for the part uh-huh. not too much labor to change it now if it's inside transfer case you end the rebuilding transfer case you can jump up to twelve fourteen hundred dollars good Lord. but the good part of it is i guess you don't really have to fix it well you, you well we do because what's happening is we're trying to sell it now uh-huh and uh, you know yeah we'll see that's going to want it for well the absolutely drive, so. and you know especially this time of year a lot of people are buying for hunting exactly and stuff. right and yeah. so you're going to knock half price off the vehicle if you don't yeah right. i'd just bring it in let's check it and see we okay. can we can diagnose it for you and tell you what it is okay great well Alrighty. thanks a bunch okay Tom. all right sir thank you right. man bye Right, boy, well, I, I just got that huh? in my mind, boy. I'm telling you. <laughs> Part of the automotive hour at Area Code is 225. Going back to our phone lines with Randy. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. How y'all doing? Doing today? great, Good morning, sir. sir. Yeah, I know you take a lot of calls. You probably don't remember this. Maybe a month or so ago, I called mm-hmm. you about changing the inside air 
cabin filter on okay. the vehicle. Anyway, uh-huh. it was simple as it could be. It took oh, more good. time to take stuff out of the glove compartment and put it back in. <laughs> yep. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, it was yep. two little clips on the side, pull it out, yep. take the tray out in less than two minutes, you put the thing back in, you're oh, yeah. But anyway, my question is, both of my vehicles, I hear about this ethanol gas can go bad over a certain length of time. Both of my vehicles, I keep them on full all the time. I remember my dad saying it's uh-huh. cheaper to keep one full than it is empty. Okay. So I I keep it full all the time. When it gets down, I maybe burn a quarter of a tank, mm-hmm. and I still got three quarters of a tank. I top it back off. Yes, sir. Will this gas ever go bad on me? Gas will go bad. Yeah, any gas, ethanol or not, right. will go bad over time. But it depends on how fast you're using it out. I mean, Randy, if a, if a tank full of gas lasts two years, yeah, it's going to go bad. If you are probably running out a tank of gas every couple of months, I don't, I don't never run out. Yeah, but I'm saying if you add four quarters, yeah, every two months. Generally, every week I put about 15, 15 bucks in it. it yeah, right we'll see. Right. Then you're changing a quarter of the fuel every week in a month's time. You go change all the fuel, right? Okay. So no, it's not getting old under those conditions because it's constantly being stirred up. When you're adding a new fuel, it's not sitting there in a the layer. It's not stratifying. It's, it's mixing in with the old stuff. But, yeah, if you're putting four times a month, then you're basically changing all the fuel once a month. That shouldn't be a problem at all. Okay. Well, that's what, that's what I was wondering. I didn't want to do anything to mess anything up. No, not to, at all. Not you know, at all. to save money because, I mean, I'm filling it up now for 15 or I can wait and fill it up later for 80 or 90. Well, right. that's true. That's, that's true. It. And not that, but it's much easier on the fuel pump to keep them full. Yeah, no, I, I knew that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, we okay, have more questions. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Right. Bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the automotive, right, we got to take a quick little break. Mitch, hang on. You can be straight up after the break. Ever plan to motor west? Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr. Hevoted supervillain, art nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Some days... I just want a garden. Hey, Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call. Of course, area code 225. We were talking about the, the diagnostic thing and all that. Correct. That is probably one of the most important fields, I guess, in all of auto repair. As far as cost savings, sure. more money is, I guess, squandered from a lack of diagnosis than just about anything else. Well, back in the day, you didn't really need that much diagnosis because well, you had... You had plugs, wires, points, condenser, and cap. Yeah, and it cost and about 25 bread. bucks, and between that, yeah. it was going to fix something. 30 bucks, yeah. you had it covered, and it had to be done anyway. But now, it just, parts cost so much money. Right. Every little part might be two, $300 or more. And so, when you start just 
throwing money at it like that. You're going to run out of money way, way before you run out of guesses. <laughs> Most definitely. And there's lots and lots of guesses. Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Alan on the line. Good morning, Alan. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good, good morning. great, sir. Right, I have a question on my 2000 Tundra. It's okay. a limited edition. And as I give it gas, the oil pressure gauge fluctuates a lot. It you know, goes from high to not all the way to low, but you know, it fluctuates a lot. Okay. Does it burn oil? I don't yeah. ever notice it burning oil, yeah. but is this... It's an indication of a oil pump going Probably out not, Alan. That's more likely an indication of a bad cinder unit. Okay. I would think a little cinder unit. What it is, it's a little variable rheostat that senses pressure. And most likely, it's got a little glitch in it, bad spot. And when it's at an idle, it's down below the glitch, so it reads steady. Okay. When you accelerate, the pressure comes up, gets into the little bad zone, so then it starts fluctuating around. That, that would be my first guess. Okay. And that's real easy to diagnose. I mean, just unscrew the little sender unit, screw a non-good gauge in the port, and if the oil pressure is steady, then change the sender unit. Now, if the oil pressure is actually jumping around like that, could be the oil pump. There is what they call a bypass relief, which is a spring-loaded valve that keeps you from getting too much oil pressure. The spring could be possibly broke or stuck, could cause that, but that would be my second guess by a wide margin. I would okay. probably pull pull the sender unit out, put a gauge in it, check it, and if it's okay, just change the sender unit. That's most likely going to be the problem. All right. Well, I do appreciate it very much. Okay, I was Alan. Kind, of, kind of concerned about that. Yeah, I, I, I really kind of doubt it's a problem. Okay. Thank you okay. very much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to try Mitch again. Hey, Mitch, you there? Yeah, I'm here. My oh. phone went out. Oh. Oh. Oh, <laughs> Not a problem. Oh. I have a 2011 Dodge Nitro. Okay. I actually had about a couple months. Uh-huh. And got close to 4,000 miles, pretty much all highway driving. Uh-huh. All highway driving. I want to get. I want to change oil and get the, get some synthetic oil in there. The problem right, is, sir. I would like to do it myself. Yes, sir. But I don't know from researching here the last day or so. Seems like the oil filter is a real obstacle. Now, I've read something about a filter you can put yeah. on there. But I wouldn't do that, Mitch. I would just go back, get a Chrysler filter, and put on there. Right. It's not necessarily the ultimate filter of all times, but it's always a good filter, and uh-huh. you know it's good. The problem is when you start buying aftermarket stuff, you don't know who's making that. They all have yeah. a brand name, but it could come from anywhere, and it may be good for a while, and they decide to start getting them from China or something. I yeah. would all. It was my new car. In fact, on my cars, I use the original equipment mm-hmm. filter. It's always okay. going to be a good filter. Is it hard to? I mean, as far as I guess getting to it, as uh, that seems to be like I said, I looked under the hood and I don't even see where it's at. You got to go so, from underneath. You're okay. not going to get it from the top at all. You're going to need to probably invest in a set of ramps. You know, those little drive up ramps. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are cheap. I mean, you can buy them at Walmart or almost any department store. And all you do is just drive the car up on them. That gets it up where you can get on a creeper or something and roll up under there. Then you can do a pretty easy job yourself. Okay. In fact, all I've right. got a pretty nice article under detailed topics on my website that goes into all changes. It may tell you some stuff you hadn't thought about before. You might all want right. to pop on it. Just do a search for all change or something like that. There's a pretty nice article in there all about changing all things to look out for, things to check, some things that may or may not have occurred to you. Okay. All right. All righty. All right, okay, good. Mitch, Thank good you. luck to you, man. All right, man. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. That's one of those things that 
I guess less and less people are doing for themselves, but I've always encouraged that. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to hear people are trying to work on their own car. Right, to the degree that they can. Right. Certainly there are things you can't, and there are probably times when you shouldn't because there are some things that are going to cost you far, far more than you're going to save. But something like an oil change and just general things, changing an air filter, rotating your tires, stuff like that, I think it keeps people in touch with their vehicle a lot better. Sure. They know what they're looking at. They kind of get a feel for the car they can spot things that are problems and that's not a bad thing to teach your sons and daughters either no it's really not it seems like i was talking to a customer the other day he was looking out there and chris had i think four cars sitting there putting motors in them yeah we changed four motors last week i remember that he says man what's going on with all these motors i said well ironically a lot of these are just run out of oil just people run them out of oil they just don't check the oil anymore and I don't know, I guess, I don't know if it's a testament to our society or what, or just a fluke, but, man, people are just becoming so detached from anything mechanical that it's almost scary because our life is mechanical. Right. Like, got, like it or not, the world is mechanical, and you got to interact with it. I got in a vehicle the other day, the check oil level light was on. Right. Two quarts low. Yeah, and guy had no off, idea. Off the dipstick. Well, yeah, I had one come in yesterday, nice little car, a little fairly fancy, expensive car, and all level lights on. There's no oil showing on the stick. Right. Plus, it's 5,000 miles past due on the change. Yep. Put so, three or four quarts in it. Yeah. It only holds yeah. five or six. <laughs> yeah, really kind of scary. But that's just going on a whole lot. So I think people, I would encourage anybody to at least take a few seconds to familiarize yourself with your car. Learn as much as you can. And that's going to be different from every person. Some people are going to be able to do a lot more than others. Right. Some folks are just not mechanically inclined. But you need to at least have some understanding of what's going on. It's not just a box you step in and push a button and it goes. Right. Because, you know, things do go wrong. And when they do, if you don't know anything about it, then you're really, really kind of behind the eight ball there. And if you don't catch them quick, Mm -hmm. they get expensive very fast. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go back to our phone lines. Rusty, good morning, Rusty. Uh, Yeah, good morning, sir. I have a question. I have a 06 Chevy Silverado with the V8 4.8, and I was wondering, is there a PVC valve on this thing? Because I can find a brake booster line, and I find a couple other lines going from the upper intake manifold to the valve cover. Yes, sir. I just can't seem to find a PVC valve. Some of them them don't. The ones that do, I don't think it's a serviceable part. It's just like a little orifice tube. It's just, it looks like a PCV valve, but if you look at it, it's just a hollow tube with a, with a little tiny hole in it. Right, right. That's one that goes in the back of the upper Right, hand. that's what they call the PCV oh, valve. It doesn't necessarily have a valve. They've taken care of that with some other mechanism on the vehicle. But uh, some, some of them probably molded into the plastic. Some thing. kind of way or another. I don't know if they have to use a valve on them because of the way it operates. They've, they've controlled the vacuum flow instead. Okay, well, can I sneak in another question? You betcha. What's the deal? I'm not going to say any brand names because mm-hmm. I know you guys don't yes, do that. But right. there's a lot of videos on the internet on this stuff, and you pour it in, and it makes your car smoke. And it's in relation to the ocean, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, I got an article on the website on the detailed topics on on additives for a car in general, and it kind of covers some of that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there is nothing, no kind of chemical, no kind of additive you're going to add to a car that's going to make any kind of difference. I mean, just think about how many millions and millions of dollars GM, Ford, Chrysler, Toyota spend to try to get a, Every, tenth, a half of a mile right. a gallon. And you got these guys, oh, you get six miles a gallon better. No, you can't. <laughs> it's just something to sell, people. No, I don't right. like any kind of additives. They're, they're not mm-hmm. going to do anything. 
Well, it's just to clean out the in-question PVC valve or the lack thereof. Yeah, nah. It may or may not do that. No, nah, it ain't going to do anything at all. If, okay. if anything, it can damage the seals. It can damage some of the other systems on there. You know, what Chevrolet did on that little engine, that's a totally new engine from the old small block they used so long. And they actually eliminated a bunch of things on that engine just because of the engineering on it. It's just such a highly tuned engine. It doesn't need a lot of things. Right. For instance, My dad's it, got the same year, and it, it does, his has an EGR. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, his 01. Right. Same engine, and his has an EGR. Right. Now. Well, see right. what they did. They don't need EGR. Because they can control that through the computer now. With variable cam timing and all, they're actually controlling it in a different way. So they eliminated the EGR valve, which was a pretty problematic part. Pretty much since they came up with it, it's been a problem. Right. Back in the 80s, man, EGR has always been a problem because you're running nasty exhaust gas into the intake. And they actually came out. Same thing with the flex fuel, like on little uh, Z and X engines. They don't have any kind of mechanism. It just handles it through the computer. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's pretty pretty nice little motor, really. I've I've been pretty pleased with those motors, other than some of the new new ones, like after '07, they're getting a little sloppy with the machine work and all on. We see more problems out of them, but overall, not a bad family of engines. All right. All right. All right. Thank you much. Okay, man. Rusty. Thank you, man. Bye bye. All right. You want to be part of the automotive hour? We've got John online. Good morning, John. Oh yes, sir. Um, I have an '08 Nissan Frontier. Uh huh. And I. Got up under it looking for grease fittings, and there I don't see any, and I don't see any place to put any. That yeah. doesn't surprise <laughs> me. That does not surprise me no, at all. Most cars do not have grease fittings any longer. Anything to worry about? No, not at all. What they've done, or? no, they've they've sealed them, John, and they put a urethane boot on there, which is going to probably last almost the life of the car, and they've got synthetic grease in them. Actually, we find that they hold up better than the old ones that they used to grease. Because most people wouldn't get under there and grease them. Right. Nobody would grease them, and people who did grease them over-grease them and blew the seals out and caused more harm than good. So that's why they took them off, and it's working out pretty well. I know, like, most of the new Chevy trucks and all don't have a lot of grease fittings on them. And the old trucks with the grease fittings, man, we used to change ball joints and idle them every day. Oh, yeah. And we hardly ever change them anymore. So, no, that's just the way it's designed. It's a sealed thing. Yeah, they are working to try to lower maintenance on the cars. And in some cases, they've done a good job, like with that. Other cases, like with the extended oil change, they're having worlds and worlds of trouble. But uh, they're they're all pretty much greased and they're sealed and nothing can get out, nothing can get in. they got synthetic grease. It pretty much lasts a long, long time. Okay. All righty? Thank you. Okay, yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. Tim, you hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. Sir, how did you get in here? I used my grappling hook and climbed in through the window. Uh, as long as you have an appointment. Ah, yes, Mr. B. Wing. Uh, why are you stressed about your job? Doc, I live in an area with a high crime rate, and part of my duty is to fight that crime. But lately, it seems like every time I turn around, someone needs my help. It's like this bright light signaling. Bat, what, I mean, B. Wayne, help us. Well, Mr. Wayne, there's not much I can do in regard to your crime-fighting dilemma. But if you want some peace of mind, bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They'll inspect your vehicle bumper to bumper and let you know where you stand. And these guys are honest? Years ago, they advised me not to fix a minor electrical problem that I could live with because it was too expensive. They sound like good people. Okay, I've got to go. (coughs) I sure wish he would use the door like a normal patient. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Now, noise off the river to ride. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it, but I can't. 
Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? And we're going back to our lives with Tim. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Miss Lewis. How yes, are you sir. Doing, doing great, sir. I love your show, by Thank the way. Thank you. I have a uh, 2004 Ford F-150, uh-huh. and I have 104,000 miles on okay, it. Okay, sir. The radiator has never been serviced. Okay. Interested in doing it myself. Yes, I know sir. there's a couple of different service companies out there that will... Some of them will just change the fluid. Some of them will actually flush it with some other type no, of No, I don't chemical. like flushing at all. I don't like putting okay. any kind of chemical. Cooling systems nowadays, Tim, are extremely, extremely sensitive and very, very problematic, and they can literally total your vehicle. I would like you to have serviced that one about two years ago because five years is the absolute outside max, and you're past that now, but it's never too late. But what you want to do, Tim, is to drain the radiator out, and if you can get to the drain plugs on the engine block, drain the engine block out. And you want to buy the right coolant for it. It's probably going to be that golden VC7 coolant, that uh, Motocraft coolant. You want to mix that 50-50 with distilled water before you pour it in the engine. And that's extremely important. What most people do is they dump the coolant in and they dump the water on top thinking it's going to mix in the engine. That ain't going to happen. That causes tons of problems. The other thing that people do wrong is they mix it with city water. They take a garden hose and fill it up, which will cause all kinds of problems. So. Drain it all out, as much of it as you can get out. Mix it 50-50, dump it in there. What I would also recommend you to do, Tim, since you did go fairly significantly over on this one, I would probably in about a year come back and just do it again because you're not going to get 100%. But you're going to get a lot of it out, and you're going to actually replenish all your additives and all with the new stuff. But in about a year, I would probably drain it and fill it again one more time. Just That will put you back on maybe a three- or four-year schedule. Okay. Where would I purchase that type of? You can buy it from the motor, from Ford dealer. Any Ford dealer is going to have it, and they're really pretty reasonable on it. If not, I think some of the parts stores may handle Motocraft. There are some universal coolants that say they're adequate. We buy the Motocraft and 55-gallon drums, and that's all we put in Ford products. I don't use any of the aftermarket stuff. I just don't trust it. Gotcha. If you knew for absolutely sure, but you, know, you could swing by a Ford dealer, or there's actually a couple of parts stores in Baton Rouge that sell Motocraft. As long as it says Motocraft VC7 on it, it's going to be it's going to be the original deal. Just make sure that's what goes in that vehicle. Yeah, and make sure yours takes that. I'm because they had a green and then they had a yellow, or actually what they call gold, mm-hmm. Motocraft gold, somewhere around that year. They had an so, orange that they put in a few. What right. I think they put it mostly in the Rangers and stuff, but the orange is a different product altogether. But the the problem is you've gone so far that the fluid has changed color on yeah. you, and you can't really right. verify. What color well, actually came out of it. You should be able to tell if it's green or not. If you look on the cap, I believe it'll tell you it'll have a picture. Either kind a of green a circle pigment. or a yellow circle. Right. On top of the okay. radiator cap. Yep. Okay, well, I'll give it a shot. All right. All right, then. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, Thank sir. you. Bye-bye. Okay. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Don online. Good morning, Don. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. Hey, I've got an 06 Dodge Mega Cab pickup with a 5.7 Hemi. Okay, sir. And my question is, you hear so much nowadays about ethanol and the fuel. Yes, sir. And it seems like there's almost hardly any place that you can buy fuel without the ethanol That's added correct. anymore. Mm-hmm. So what kind of problems am I looking at? I, I hear so much, and, yeah. and I'd like for you to kind of dispel. I can tell you, Don, on a 2006 model, you're not going to notice any difference. Basically, all cars built from about, oh, I'd say 2001 or two up, can handle ethanol. Now, that being said, it's not the greatest thing in the world. You're going to lose some power. You're going to lose some fuel mileage because ethanol just has less energy than gasoline. 
uh-huh. 33% by volume less. And so when you put 10%, you lose about 3.3% of your energy. Okay. And that's just the nature of the beast. But it's not going to do any harm on a car of that year model just because you've got a nylon gas tank, you got nylon fuel lines, and it can deal with it. Okay, now, I got you. a couple of things you do not want to do, Don, and one is you got people who are in the habit of dumping this fuel injection cleaner in their car every so often, which is a bad, bad idea anyway. But, see, that stuff is largely ethanol-based. So uh-huh. you already got ethanol in your fuel, 10%. which is a pretty powerful detergent in and of itself. So you right, don't want okay. to add anything else to that fuel. And you okay. want to buy a name-brand fuel. I don't ever, ever buy the off-brands, and we can't name names on the air, but I don't uh-huh. ever go to a department store, any of the off-brand fuels, private label okay. fuels. I find, buy the name brand, the Exxon, the Chevron, the Shell, right. Texaco. And find you a high-flow station. High-volume station. One that is busy all the time. Now, the way you're assured you're going to get fresh gas. Yeah. You know, Chance yeah, you do those things, you're not ever going to have any trouble with it. Now, if they start doing like they're threatening going to 15 20%, who knows what's going to happen. But hopefully we'll get some change of heart and they'll oversee, <laughs> they'll, they'll <laughs> bat that down. But <laughs> hope springs eternal, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, guys, I enjoy your show. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank Don, you. thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we got Don again. Good morning, Don. Good morning, sir. How are you doing today? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I have a 2001 BMW 330. Mm-hmm. Mostly stays the garage covered. It's got 18,000 miles on okay. it. Everything's fine except for one thing. Go in and you can put it in any of the five speeds. Mm-hmm. Shifts fine. You crank the engine. Will not shift into gear in any you know reverse. Yeah, forward. now that's a standard transmission. Uh, yes, sir. Standard shift. Yes, sir. Okay. Most likely, Don. Well, well, I can tell you what's happened is that the clutch is not releasing. Now, if the car sits up a lot, does it feel like you've got a clutch pedal or is there resistance when you push the pedal down? Yeah, a little bit, yes. Yeah, probably one of two things, Don. Either the clutch disc has just rusted to the flywheel from sitting there and it's not releasing even though you've got the pedal down, or one of the cylinders, like a little slave cylinder, has gone bad and you're losing pressure to the clutch. See, when the clutch does not release, it keeps turning the input shaft, so the synchronizers can't make it go into gear. Now, when the motor's not running, nothing's turning, so it'll shift fine. That's the giveaway right there. That tells you the transmission's fine. But yeah. with it running and not shifting, the clutch is not releasing. I would suspect either you know, if, if the clutch feels healthy like it always did, it engages in the same spot, it's got the same amount of resistance on it, then it's probably the clutch disc is stuck to the flywheel. If it is the if the pedal feels like it's a little mushy, goes down easier, doesn't really, or has a lot of free play, then probably you've lost either your slave cylinder or your master cylinder on your clutch. Okay, now I've heard a, a interim fix uh, if it's not the master cylinder. Possibly, uh, I read somewhere about putting air in there or vacuuming or something, pull a vacuum on it. Well, see, it, it, how can air get in it, though? Yeah, I Sitting realize. in your garage. <laughs> that didn't happen. Okay. No, once you change the parts, you're going to have to do a bleed sequence to get the air out of the lines because when you change the parts, they're going to be full of air. Right. And that can be kind of complicated on that car. Sometimes you have to back bleed them. There's, there's any number of different methods you have to use. It can be pretty tricky. But, yeah, if after you change the cylinder, you still can't get anything, it's because you have air in line. But just sitting in the garage, you didn't get air in lines. Right. Okay, so what, the first thing that needs to be done on it is what? When it goes to the shop, what's the first thing they need to do? Well, I would just tell right. them what it's doing. Just say, look, I can't shift my car when I, with the motor running, and if they don't come back and tell you something like I told you right off the bat, then you need to leave and go somewhere else because you know that would be a logical sequence of events. Now, what they would do, 
obviously just get in there and push the pedal down a field if you've got resistance on the pedal. If the pedal is good, you can get under the car and see if the linkage is moving. You can see if the slave cylinder is moving. If it is, then you know the clutch disc is stuck to the flywheel. And that could possibly be broken free by holding the clutch down and just kind of rocking the car back and forth. And it may actually pop, you know, put it in gear without it running, push the clutch in and rock the car back and forth. I've actually had one on an older vehicle, wasn't a BMW, it was a domestic, that was froze up. It took about four minutes to break it loose. Push the clutch in and crank it up, you know, put it in first gear, push the clutch in, it ought to crank up. And if it pulls off with the clutch still in, then the disc is froze. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And I, yeah, what I what I did is just keep goosing it and letting off, goosing it, and letting off, and all of a sudden it'll come loose. Okay, yeah. And you told me to pump the uh, clutch quite the, a bit. That's, 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 that didn't work. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to do. Yeah, anything. Now, if the clutch feels mushy and it's kind of going to the floor, right? Then you the got a problem. You got a clutch, right? Uh, clutch right. Issue well, there. hydraulic clutch problem. Is it a? It's a mechanical interlock that keeps or some. It feels like there's some resistance as soon as I try to put it in gear with it running. It won't even move at all into gear. Is it? It's like a. No, no. It's just the input shaft is still rotating. Right. And see, what you're trying to do is synchronize two gears that are turning at different speeds, and that synchronizer can't stop that motor. That's what the clutch. So does. it'll it'll tear transmission to pieces if you force it in. So don't do okay. that. Now, I've no, so you say I'm okay though. What I have done, the last question is I have done is I have put it in gear with the engine off, mm-hmm. started it. Of course, the car starts rolling right, 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 right away. Right. So you say if I do that, if you do that and you push the clutch all the way in, and it still rolls, and it doesn't break free. Chances are it's not going to break free, or you have no clutch. Right. Hydraulic clutch. Okay. All righty. All right. Well, look, that explains it. I really, <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, right, Don. Sir. Thank you, man. Bye bye. All right, we got to take our final little break, but we'll be right back. Terry, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodwitch. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate. And if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues, uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. Zelt check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! Hmm, that little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got my lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us calls. Still got a few minutes left on the show. And we're going back to lines with Terry. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, guys. Good yes, morning. Sir. Hey, I've got a problem with a, I have a 2008 Chevy Impala uh-huh. LTZ. It's got the 3.9 liter yes, sir. V6 that steps down to a three-cylinder. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. This car has, seems like it's had, has had excessive oil consumption since I've owned it. Okay. I take it, took it back to the dealer several mm-hmm. times. They just keep telling me that's normal. Yes, yeah, sir. They're going to tell you that. Terry, let me ask you, how long are you going between changes? 
I generally go 4,000 miles. Yeah, and how much oil does it burn between a change? It, it depends on driving. seems mm-hmm. like it's worse if I take long trips. Okay. Um, if I go home to South Carolina and right. come back, it could use upwards of a quart and a half to two quarts sometimes. Well, and see, GM is not going to do anything. Two quarts and 4,000, that's a quarter of 2,000. They're not going to address that at all. They're under warranty. In fact, they won't even address a quart and 1,000, which I think is stupid, but yeah, that's just the way they are. I can tell you some things that cause that. In fact, I'm writing an article right now that is going to be on the website just on that very topic because it's something we oh, see cool. a lot. But if you use different brands of oil, in other words, when you get the car service, you just kind of go to a quick lube or you go here, you go there. All oil, or most oil, is really good. Most all of it is, is fine. However, the additive packages are different in it, and they're not all compatible. That is one of the leading things of oil consumption. Mm-hmm. So what you need to probably do, Terry, is to find one type of oil and start using that one brand and see if it eases up on you some. Okay. Now, if that doesn't do it, there's Two other major places where all normally goes, one is the rings are stuck in the car. Sometimes you can go in and chemically treat the motor. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't help. It just depends. The second place where it goes is down the valve guide seals. And there are some little rubber seals on top of the intake valves because when the intake valve opens, there's vacuum on it. And if right. it's not sealed, it sucks the oil right down that seal. Wouldn't it, you see smoke, though? In the, the old days, you did. But in the new okay. days, you got a catalytic converter sitting there that's vaporizing anything coming through, so you're not ever going to see smoke. Okay. If okay, you I do. In the old if days, do, when it cranked up, you saw a puff of smoke. Uh-oh, valve guide seals. Yeah, that was great. But nowadays, yeah, if you see smoke, it's way gone because that cat is going to vaporize anything. It's not. No smoke's ever going to come out of tailpipe. Right. Okay, I got but you. But what you could do, Terry, is to do a compression test on the motor or have the dealer do a compression test on it if it's still under warranty. And what they do is they do a dry test first, record all the readings, then squirt just a little bit of light oil down each cylinder and see if the readings come up appreciably. If they do, then the rings are stuck. And what happens, that light oil will seal the ring temporarily and kick your readings way up. If that's the case, then you just have to hold their feet to the fire if it's under warranty, which I think you got a 100,000-mile warranty on that engine. I think I'll have I, to check. I, was, it, it, I, I knew it was either 560 or yeah, I think, maybe it is 100. I think most of them have 100,000 miles on 2008. I think I would hold their feet to the fire. They're going to try to scam you and tell you, oh, no, it's, that's within specs and all that stuff. But you know the thing is, Terry, it's not ever going to get any better. Right, it's and when it's out of warranty and it's, it's using a quart every 500, now what? You know, you're into a new motor. So, I mean, the only thing you can do is try to politely deal with them. What happens, too, is that all that oil is going somewhere. It's going in your catalytic converter, and what ends up happening is your catalytic converter ends up going out. So try, first off, to switch to one oil. Don't change up your brands at all. See if that helps. If that doesn't help, you could possibly chemically treat it, and if that doesn't help, you're going to be into inside the motor. Okay. Now, let me ask you real quick. Right. Is there any any advantages of synthetic versus No, sir. Standard? Not in that uh, case. Now, okay. synthetic all is better. It's a better product. But sounds like you put a lot of highway miles on yours. Yes, sir. If that's the case, you probably don't need synthetic. It's not going to help with this matter at all. What, what, what is going to help is to put one type of all. In. What, how is this going to affect engine life other than the catalytic converter? I don't know that it really affects the engine life very much. Some people say that actually it's good to burn a little bit of oil because it means the engine's lubricating. I think it may take out a converter at some point in time because all that oil vapor's going in there raising the temperature of the converter. But, you know, I wouldn't, if you just couldn't get anybody to do anything about it, 
Right. I mean, I'd drive the car. Okay. You know? Okay, that's what I wanted to mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I wouldn't get rid of the car on account of it. Okay, great. I certainly appreciate it. All that. right, sir. We sure thank Thanks, you. Guys. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right, if we got time for one more call, see we got all the lines lit up now. Hey, man, I tell you, we just about squandered another good hour here. I'll got tell a few you what, more. got a lot of good information out. Yep, that thing with the oil burning, that, I'm writing an article on that right now because that is one of the top questions that we get nowadays right. in the shop. And what happens, people are really noticing it a lot more. Back when you change your oil every 3,000 miles and cars held five or six quarts. Right. You Let's say you burn, if you burned two quarts in 3,000 miles, you never noticed it because you just changed it. Right. But nowadays, the car maybe only holds four quarts. And if you're burning a quarter of 1,500 and you're going 6,000 miles, exactly. you can run out all. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, all consumption is a big, big, big issue nowadays. So got an article coming out on the detailed topics here in the next couple of weeks so good hey you tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every saturday morning on automotive hour preceding like, was like, opinion based on our experience in the automotive right. industry hey i could get that out all <laughs> right I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week mm-hmm. tell your friends and that's get right. some more people listen that's right and if you like our show go on itunes give us a good rating and if you don't like it don't do anything there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey have a great weekend